The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. Happy New Year. Okay, I've got, a, I've got a, a serious question for you. How are you feeling? How's it going? 2022. Come on, don't lie, you're in church, right? How many of you, how many of you honestly are just a little tired? Just a little bit tired. Yeah, you know what, we, I think of Christmas and I think of like, like, like before Christmas is like the flight to Vegas. You're like, woo Christmas is coming. And then after Christmas, it's like the flight home. woo what just happened, right? Like you're tired, uh, you're broke, right? And, and all these things. And so like this time of the year, we're kind of, we're kind of in the middle of it. Like we're a little excited that, that the last year's gone and we're a little excited that the new year's come. Uh, but honestly, we're a little bit stressed. Well, I've got good news for you is that today in Philippians, uh, we get to talk about how to find joy in the middle of stress. How many of you say Amen. Right, And so for some of us, there's, there's this time where we're looking back at the past year and you're like, man, I really, really wish things gone differently. I really wish that turned out differently. I really wish it didn't go that way. And, and so now, you know, you, you put up the tree and you're like, I got to take down the tree. And, and then uh, before Christmas, you're like, I get to buy all these gifts and now you got to pay the bill. And, and then you're like, you know what? I, I, I got off work. I got to Christmas break. And now... I got to go back to work. I got to go back to school. And so, you know, we're trying to figure things out. And a lot of that causes a lot of stress. And so on top of all of these changes and new things, we're like, okay, well, I need to set a new budget or I need to plan out my schedule or I need to uh, uh, make some resolutions and do some new things and, or I'm going to have a better year this year than I did last year. How am I going to do that? And on top of the regular stress, there's more stress. Amen. How many of you feel the weight of that? And so here's what's happened is on top of what we live in and what we put on ourselves, just this constant stress of everyday life, you begin to add to those stressors things like like, uh, health or emergencies, Right, people get sick or diagnosis, or or some of you that there's good stress too. By the way, I don't know if you know that some of you in 2022 are getting married. Some of you in 2022 are going to have a child. Some of you know it, some of you not yet, right? But it's coming. And and so there's good stress. And so whatever the case is, whether you're going back to school or work or got a big credit card payment or whatever it is, listen, what are you anxious about? I mean, when you walked in here today, you're like, you know what, we're going to go do some church, we're going we're gonna to sing some songs, we're going to hear a message, it's going to be great, uh, but really, what about last night? Like, what kept you up at night? What, what stresses you out? What kind of things causes you anxiety? Well, let me tell you, you probably know yourself, but there's four things that we respond, four ways that we respond to stress, and the first one is fight. How many of you are fighters? Any fighters out there? Yeah, that's me, right? When stress comes or circumstances come, what happens is we fight. You're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig in, right? I'm not gonna lose. I'm gonna fight this thing. I'm gonna push through it, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold my ground. I'm gonna grip my teeth. I got those crazy eyes going, right? And my voice gets a little louder and I'm gonna fight. How many of you are fighters? Some of you are fighters. Some of you, some of you, you're, you're, you're flighters. How many of you are flighters? And so when stress comes or circumstances come, you're like, I'm out, good luck, 
right? You turn off the phone, you refuse to answer the email, right? You actually change your phone number, you go into the witness protection program, you're like, I'm not talking to anyone, I'm shutting down, closing the curtains, under the covers, I'm not coming out, I'm in your flight, right? It's just too stressful out there, I can't handle it. And some of you, number three, is, is fright. How many of you are frighters, right? And listen, that's not a bad thing, but when stress comes, you just, you just panic, like you can't make a decision, you don't know what to do, you're overwhelmed, and you kind of get this paralyzed feeling of, I'm stuck, I don't know how to handle this. Anyone like that? Yeah, that's very real. There's a fourth way to respond, and there's a fourth option, it's called faith. And faith is when we invite the Lord into our circumstance. And it doesn't necessarily change things externally or around us, but what happens is when we respond to stress by faith, we invite the Lord into our circumstances and it changes us internally. Externally, stress is still there, problems still there, things are going on, but internally something begins to happen. And so what we're going to learn today in the book of Philippians is that the book of Philippians is about joy. Everyone say joy. We've been talking about that for four weeks now, talking about joy. And so today, this theme of joy continues. And the context of Philippians is Paul writes this book about joy from where? Prison. He's in jail. And so Paul is in jail, yet he's writing a book about joy. Can we agree that if you write a book about joy in jail, it's supernatural joy? Amen? Because that's not coming from his circumstance. He looks at his chains. He looks at the bars. He looks at what's going on around him. And he says, listen, I have joy. You should have joy too. And so just imagine the level of anxiety that Paul's in right now. He's thinking, okay, am I going to get convicted or am I going to be set free? Right? Am I going to be acquitted or am I going to die in this Roman jail cell? What's going to happen to me? And, and he's not talking about joy in the circumstances, but over and over again, he's going to bring up this idea that joy is in the Lord. He says, my joy is not in my circumstance. My joy is in the Lord. And, and then chapter three, he's actually going to help us see the big picture. And, and because he does this, because what happens is in the middle of life, maybe you have the testimony, is that in the middle of life, the circumstances, the stress, and the problems start to come, and we lose perspective. We lose perspective. We're like, what is God doing? I don't understand. All I can see is right here and now in front of me. So what he's going to do is he's going to take our hearts, he's going to pull it back a little bit, and he's going to help us focus. And it just so happens that this is the first Sunday of the year. And how many of you need that? Say amen. All right, here we go. Philippians 3, we'll pick it up in verse 12. Listen to what he says. He says, not that I've already obtained this or that I am already perfect. Now, he's talking about obtaining the resurrection from the dead. He says, suffering for Christ. That's what he says in the, in the verse right before it. And he says, by any means possible, I want to attain this Christ-likeness. And so he says, listen, I've not obtained all this or that I'm already perfect, but I press on. Everyone say, press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Everyone say one thing. 
Here's the deal. Some of you make resolutions. Some of you make lists. You don't call them resolutions because that's too fancy. You, you make lists. You say, here's my to-do list. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I resolve to do. And Paul says, hey, there is one thing that I do. So whatever is on your list, move this to the top. All right? He says, listen to what it says. He says, but one thing I do. Listen to what he says. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on. Everyone say, press on. I press on. I strain forward. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, how many of you are perfectionists? Uh-huh. You're list makers. You're doers. You're, you're checkers, right? You got a label maker for Christmas. Anyone? This is the best gift. You like everything in order, right? Some of you are like that. Paul says, listen, I'm not perfect. What he means by that is that he's striving. He's pressing on. He's looking forward to becoming more and more like Jesus. He says, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Messiah. He's so high above me. There's no way I can attain that. He says, I'm not perfect, but I am pressing on to become more and more and more like Christ. Amen? And so he says, my goal, one thing I do, one thing I want to press on and strain forward is there is a prize that is for me that is becoming more like Christ. Why? Because, listen to me, that is the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading every single believer to become more like Christ, to be transformed into the image of Christ. Not to be Christ, but to be like Christ as we follow Christ. The job and the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin and lead us into repentance and turn it away from, from sin toward Christ and becoming more like him. And so the direction of the Holy Spirit in every single believer's life is straining toward Christ. And so if you claim to be a follower and a believer of Jesus, but you are not straining and pressing on toward this goal, either you've grieved the Holy Spirit, you've turned him off, you've shut him out, you've closed the door, or you're not born again. If that is not your pressing forward to say, I want more of Christ, I want to see Christ, I want to glorify Christ, I want to honor Christ, I want to walk with Christ more in 2022 than I did in any year past, then you either have grieved the Holy Spirit or you're just doing religion. The Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, you will not see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And if you're born again, Paul says, listen, press on. 
strain to this goal. He says, it's not perfection, it's progress. And so when you're looking at your 2022 saying, what do I do? Here's the goal for you, press on, move forward. Take the prize. God has called you heavenward. He's made you his own, so you are to honor him and follow him and trust him. Listen, Paul says, I'm not perfect. Did I write 13 of the 26 books of the New Testament? Yeah, but I'm not perfect. I've been a Christian for 30 years, but I'm not perfect. That's what he says, probably at this point, 30 years. He's in jail because he won't shut up about Jesus, but I'm not perfect. Right? He says, I've not arrived yet. There is more of Christ for me, and that's my aim. And that's where I'm going. And that's what I'm straining for. Right? And so listen, there's good news for you, which means no matter where you are, right, no matter how you've walked in here, there's more of Jesus for you. There's transformation that awaits for you. Right, all, all this straining and fighting and pressing on is not in vain. It's not meaningless. It's meaningful. It's, it's full of value. It's full of treasure. Paul says that straining forward toward the goal is understanding that Christ has come and he's made me his very own. Do you realize that Jesus has bought you with his blood? That the scripture actually uses the word that he came and paid the ransom to purchase you out of sin and death and seat you in his presence. He saved you from your sin. Through faith in Christ, you are his and he is yours. You belong to Jesus. And he who started the good work will see it to completion. And so listen to me. Christ's likeness growing in Christ is the work. That is the goal. That's what we're straining for. That is the upward call of Christ. We're straining forward. But he says that straining forward actually requires forgetting. Imagine that. Forgetting what? He says forgetting what lies behind. I want you to think about that for a moment. Because some of you, you need to get past your perfectionisms. Some of you, you have a hard time moving forward in the future that God has for you because, because you feel like, I, I can't move forward unless everything else is tidied up in the past. I can't move on to the next thing unless all this stuff is done. The problem is, is you can't fix everything. Surprise. I mean, like, but I can try, right? But you can't, you can't fix everything. And so, listen, Paul, he looks at his life and he looks at his past and he says, there's things I can't change. There's things about me. There's things that I've done. There's a history that I have that I can't fix. Do you realize that Paul, who once, once was Saul, he changed his name to Paul. When he was Saul, he actually stoned a deacon named Stephen. Or he gathered the men to do it. And so he, he says, I'm looking at that, and I can't fix it, but I need to forget that so I can move forward. Not just, oh, it didn't happen, but saying, hey, I'm not going to let it define me. He, he, takes, he, he persecuted Christians. He arrested Christians. He tormented Christians until one day Jesus knocks him off his horse, reveals to him the glory of God in Jesus Christ, and now he's saved, and now he's talking about Jesus. You can't shut him up. But he says, listen, if you can't fix it, forget it. 
You need to write that down. If you can't fix it, forget it. If there's nothing you can do about it, then it's just simply a stumbling block to the things that God has for you. Some of you, even, even today, you've been a Christian for a while and, and you look back at your past and you still feel unworthy. Well, because of something you did when you were a teenager or in your 20s or, or you're looking at your life and you're saying, man, I, I just, I, I don't think I could ever, ever do that. I don't think I could ever be bold for Christ because I'm, I'm such a mess up. He, he says, forget about that. He, he says, some of you, you, you've been through so much. I'm not denying that. I'm not, I'm not saying that it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't change you. It doesn't shape you. I'm not saying that uh, because some of you, you've been through some traumatic experiences. Some of you, you had a rough go. You had a rough upbringing. You had a rough life. You had a rough job. You had a rough marriage. You know, some of you, you've been abused. You've been traumatized. You've been divorced. You've been cheated on. You've been left. You, you've gone through some horrible, horrible things. But some of you, you lack joy because you're trying to take every relationship every person, every experience into the future. And, and, and Paul is saying, just forget that and move forward because you are a new creation in Christ. He's adopted you. He's wedded to you. You are his. He is yours. You are new. Now let's go and move forward. Paul, when he became a Christian, he lost a lot of his friends. Very religious man. And when you become a Christian in a religious circle and say, no, 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 it's not this, it's actually Christ alone, people are like, ah, I don't like you anymore. No, Jesus, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. No one comes to God except through Jesus. I don't care what you do over here, Jesus is the way. Eh, we're not friends. He lost a lot of friends. He lost a lot of family. People probably disowned him. He may have even lost his wife. To move forward into the plan and the purpose that God has for you, forget what is behind, but what does he say? Hold true to what you have attained. That's the key. Hold true to what you have attained. He doesn't say hold true to what you have done don't hold true to what you haven't done. He says, hold true to what Christ has done because Christ has purchased something for you. Christ has done something for you. Christ has done something in you. Hold true to what you have already attained that is ultimately yours in Christ Jesus. Not that we've attained it, but we are attaining it, and that is my goal, and that's what I'm pressing on. In Jesus Christ, you have attained righteousness. In Jesus Christ, you have attained a relationship with God. In Jesus Christ, you have attained eternal life. In Jesus Christ, Christ, you have attained a new life with a new spirit, with a new heart, with a new drive, with a new effort, and a new mission. And the Holy Spirit is given to you so that you can press on and strain forward toward the goal for the prize that you have attained when Christ Jesus made you his own. In verse 20, in chapter 3, he, he talks about this, this citizenship in heaven. He, he, he talks about it that, that from our citizenship, we actually await the coming Savior Jesus. And so he wants to distinguish for you, listen to me, he wants to distinguish for you the difference between residence and citizenship. Do you know the difference? 
Residence is where you live today. It's your surrounding. It's your circumstance. It's the things that are going on. That's your residence. Citizenship is where you belong. It's, your, it's where you will live forever. And so this world is a fallen, broken world. Amen? This world is hard. It's full of sin. It's full of brokenness. It's full of stress and heartache. But there is coming another world that will overtake this world, and that world is perfect. Because that, rule is, that world is ruled and reigned by Jesus Christ. And so what he's telling us is that those of you who are in Christ Jesus, there must be one thing that we do. Forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. He says, look beyond your circumstance, look beyond your residence, look beyond where you live, look beyond the culture, and look to the prize which is yours in Christ Jesus. Look to the goal of your faith, which is Christ Jesus, King Jesus. He has made you his very own. He has saved you, bought you, purchased you, ransomed you to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God not in the temporary moment resident. And so our big picture for 2022 is that we need more of Jesus. Amen? It's a big picture. More of Jesus. You're like, well, I need to make more money. I need to get in better shape. I need to eat better. I need to get better sleep. I need to budget my time better. No, we need Jesus more than anything. Big picture, we need Jesus. We need to strive toward Jesus, becoming like Jesus, pressing on to Jesus. And so how does more of Jesus help us with our anxiety, worry, fear, burden, pressure? Well, it's all driving to a certain place, Philippians 4, 4. Look at, look at it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Come on, say it with like joy in your voice. Rejoice. rejoice. He, says, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I want to tell you something again. Rejoice. Listen, that needs to be some of your verse for 2022. You need to write that on your wall. You need to put that in your heart. You need to put that in your life. That may be your life verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because joy is so rare. It's so hard. And so we all have anxiety, but finding joy is like, is like finding the wind. He says rejoice in the Lord. Let me tell you what that literally means. If you're taking notes, write this down. Rejoice in the Lord literally means going to the Lord to get your joy. You need some joy? Go to the Lord. The Lord is the source of the joy. Because let me tell you something. You may or may not get joy from your circumstance this year. You may or may not get joy in your relationships this year. You may or may not get joy in your health or your wealth this year. But you can obtain joy in the Lord this year. 
And that joy is a joy that lasts forevermore. He says, rejoice in the Lord. When do we do that? Always. Despite the the chains or the bars or the heartache, rejoice in the Lord always. He's not saying that stress and suffering do not exist. You see that. He's not saying, oh, you know, this situation is not stressful. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that anxiety doesn't exist. He doesn't say that heartache doesn't exist. He's saying that the joy of the Lord is bigger because the joy of the Lord doesn't change with the circumstance. You are a citizen of heaven, whatever stripe, whatever struggle, whatever your experience. And listen, we, we gotta be honest, that we've all got these things that drain our joy. You probably know them. What drains your joy? Like a, like a, like a hole in the bottom of your bucket, you're like, it's my boss. It's, it's, my, it's, my, uh, it's my in-laws, it's my parents, it's my, it's my, it's, it's my studies, it's my work, it's, it's my financial situation. When I look at that, when I look at my budget, I just, I just can't get a grip. Some of you it's health, some of you it's relational, some of you it's financial, some of you it's vocational. And we've got all these things. But whatever it is, whatever your struggle, there's joy in the Lord. He says rejoice in the Lord always. Go to the Lord for your joy. When? Always. Let me tell you again. Rejoice in the Lord. Right? And let me tell you. When life is hard, sometimes God gets you around things, and sometimes God takes you through things. Nehemiah 8.10 It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord will strengthen you when you gotta go through it. You can go through whatever you need to go through with the joy of the Lord. Now he's gonna end. I'm gonna end this section with this. Philippians 4. 4 again, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and allow the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now let me just be honest with you because there are people out there that have memorized this verse but don't experience joy. Information is great but it's useless unless the truth lives in you. Unless you're able to find joy in the Lord. It may be something that's in your mind but may not be in your life. And so I wanna share with you a few things to help us practically find the joy of the Lord when we feel stress. Number one, make the joy of the Lord your guide. Make the joy of the Lord your rudder. Make the will of God your guide. When it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, he's talking about a state of mind. 
Have you ever looked at someone and be like, they're not being reasonable? He's talking about the way that you live. Romans 12, 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that by the testing you may discern what the will of God is for you and what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. May the Lord's will be your guide. Think of it this way. Your life is a boat. Your emotions are the sail. Your transformed mind and the will of God is your rudder. And so what happens when the sail is filled with powerful emotion and it's like, oh, I'm under stress. Oh, I'm feeling something. Oh, I need to go. Oh, I'm getting amped up. I'm getting real passionate. And you fill that sail with a lot of power, but you don't have the will of God in your life. You don't know the will of God. You're not letting the will of God guide you. What happens is eventually you'll crash. Okay, you're not boaters. I get it. But if there's nothing to steer the ship, it ends badly. People who are driven by emotions without reasonableness ultimately are driven to destruction. So listen, your emotions are powerful. They do provide power to your ship. Pressure, resistance, burdens, crisis, your emotions are going to be heightened, it's going to be stronger, it's going to be more powerful. But it makes it more important than ever that we have a transformed mind so that the will of God would act as our rudder, it would act as our guide. So we say, okay, I understand the will of God because I'm in the word of God and I know the God of the word. And so this is what I'm feeling. This is the pressure that's around me. These are the chains that are on me. These are the bars that are before me. How am I going to respond? What is the Lord's will for me? Where is this going to take me? How is God driving me forward? What am I going to do? And so in 2022, the question is not, are you going to face stress and anxiety? The question is, are you going to worry or are you going to worship? And so we have an opportunity, and we need our hearts to say, okay, this is my emotional life, this is my mind, this is my passion, and I need it to be guarded by reasonableness and God's word and the will of God so that I can steer this ship. Some of you, when stressful circumstances come, instead of using that power, some of you just, just ram it right into the rocks. Some of you, instead of using that power, you just take the sail down. And so you say, you know what, this is too stressful, I, I can't handle this, it's too much, too much anxiety for me. And so I don't, I, I'm just going to take the sail down, and I'm not going to allow myself to feel the emotion, I'm not going to allow myself to be heartbroken, I'm not going to love, I'm not going to rejoice, I'm not going to be empathetic, I'm not going to allow myself to feel. And so you just take the sail down, while others of you take the sail up, but you don't have a rudder. You need both. Amen? Like, Eric, you are so passionate about preaching. It's the will of God. Like, I'm passionate about that because God has a will for me. He has a plan for me, and this is what I do. Listen, you need both. You need passions of your emotions, but you need direction of God's will. That's the reasonableness of God to be known to everyone. And let me just say this. Sometimes you're unreasonable. Surprise! Right? 
I mean, sometimes you need, you know, people who are filled with the Spirit of God, you know, who know the Lord's will to come alongside you and be like, hey, um, you need to check your rudder, right? You, you need to trust the Lord's will in this because you're not responding right. Some people, their, their emotions go up and they're like, you know what, should, should, I, should, should I do this? Should I do this? I, I'm walking away from here. I'm not going to press in. I'm not going to press on. I'm going to take down my sail. I'm going to close my door. I'm going to shut off my phone. I'm going to leave the body. I'm going to leave the church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do these things. I'm not, I'm not going to handle it anymore. I just want to go somewhere else where there's peace and I, I don't want to deal it. And some people are like, is that the Lord's will? Maybe you need to check your rudder. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Everyone say prayer. He says, by everything prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And so the first thing is, is let the will of the Lord be your rudder. And number two, when you start to panic, pray. Write that down. Babe, write that down. When you start to panic, we need to pray. Some of you say, I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy to pray. I can't stop. I, gotta, I, I don't, I don't want to process that. I'm too busy. I'm too overwhelmed, right? I don't even want to think about it. Let me just tell you, this year, if you're going to press on, if you're going to move forward, prayer needs to be your first priority. Because sometimes you're active but not productive. Anyone ever feel that? Right? You could be doing a lot but not accomplishing a lot. And so when you're anxious, it's, it's, it's not that there's no reason to panic or that there's no reason to stress out. But what I'm telling you is the storm has to be settled by prayer. There's no other way. And so you need to go to the one who handles the storm. You need to go to the one who tells it to rain or not rain or when to blow or not blow. And we need to make our requests known to him. And so instead of prayer, what do we do? You complain. Instead of prayer, we vent. Instead of prayer, we self-medicate with social media or substance or whatever. But we don't meet with the Lord. And so what he says here, it says when you're stressed, you pray. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Amen? How many of you need to know this year that the Lord is at hand? You're gonna question sometimes, God, where are you? You've ever asked that question? God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, where are you going? God, what is happening right here? And he says, listen, the Lord is where? At hand. Jesus is at hand. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus have stress? Well, yeah. Did Jesus sin? No. Having stress and anxiety is not a sin. You can breathe now. <laughs> Having stress is not a sin. It is an opportunity to worship or worry. And there, there, there's, there's three years in Jesus' ministry that's really recorded. People hated Jesus. People were conspiring to kill and destroy Jesus. Is that stressful, yes or no? Yeah. There are times he has no money, he has no home. Does that sound stressful? Yeah. He knows that one of the 12 that he's chosen is actually just pretending to be his friend. Ever been there? And he's plotting to betray him. Let me ask you, is that stressful? 
Not to mention, all of this culminates in the fact that he's heading toward the cross. Stressful? Jesus knows that he's going to endure the most painful, wicked, wretched deaths of crucifixion by a Roman cross in front of crowds of people that are going to be mocking him and his mother. The night before Jesus' death, the night before he goes to pay the penalty for our sin, let me ask you, does Jesus sleep? No, there's no sleep. He's up all night. Why do you think? He's stressed. Jesus, he goes to his friends. He asks them to pray. He asks them to carry the burden with him. What do they do? Just like your friends, they go to sleep. Sometimes when you're stressed, you can't sleep, you go to your friends, you ask him. He goes, he actually goes to wake him up and he says, wake up, I need you to pray with me. I need you to carry this burden with me. And they're like, nope, I'm going back to bed. How many of you know, sometimes when you're stressed or suffering, it feels very, very lonely. You're carrying a burden. Other people don't feel it. Jesus was carrying it. It was stressful. So what does Jesus do in that moment? Let me tell you what he does. Philippians 4. It's exactly what he does. Paul writes to us what he learned from an example of Jesus. What does he do? He goes and he prays. In the garden of Gethsemane, he's praying to his father. He brings his stress and what's about to happen to his father. He says, Father, I'm making my request known because I'm overwhelmed right now. And if there is any way you could get me around this, I would like that. If there's any way, if there's any way you could take this cup from me. Do you know what that cup is? That is the cup of suffering. That cup is a reflection of the wrath of God that is about to be poured out upon Jesus Christ for your sin and my sin to shed his blood. And so the wrath of God is coming upon Jesus and he knows that when he goes to the cross, he's going to die in our place and all of the wrath of God that you and I deserve is going to be placed upon him. Let me ask you, is that stressful? Yeah, the Bible actually says he's sweating blood. He's overwhelmed, but he realizes in that moment that the Father has a good, good plan for him. And he has a purpose for all this suffering. And Jesus comes to the understanding, oh, I'm not going around this. I'm going through it. And sometimes God will get you around it. And sometimes he'll take you through it. And listen, and if he doesn't get you through it, he'll take you home in it. And to die is gain. Jesus then declares, not my will, but what? Your will be done. What do you do in the moment that your will and the Father's will collide? You ever thought of that? I was thinking about that this week. In that prayer, is Jesus saying, this is not my will? 
He's saying, this is my emotions, and I need a rudder. I need your will to be my will. What do you do in the moment when your emotions and God's will don't align? Let me tell you what you do. You pray. You pray, God, if there's any way, I'd rather go around this. But not my will. Your will. I want my will to align with your will. And then what do you do? You rejoice in the Lord. And it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Because his joy was not in his circumstance, but it was in the Lord. It was in his Father. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Bring your heart, bring your emotion to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. And what can happen is very easily we can get so fixed on on this thing. If this gets resolved, if I get around this, if I get through this season, then I'll be happy. Somewhere happiness is over the rainbow, over the mountain, somewhere out there like a pot of gold. I'm looking for happiness. And he says, the Lord is at hand. So rejoice in the Lord. Let me tell you again, rejoice. Because he's with you. He's he's going before you. He is there with you in everything, in prayer. Make your request known to God. Give him thanksgiving. It doesn't mean that everything is good. It means that no matter what happens, the Lord is at hand. It doesn't mean that there's, this is, uh, uh, everything is going to go well. This is the extraordinary thing about the Christian faith. There's a God who gets up off his throne. We have a high priest who knows how to understand what we're going through. Jesus' life, he knows what it's like for those who love you to betray you. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like when people steal from you. He knows what it's like when someone lies to you. He knows what it's like when people bear false witness against you. He knows what it's like when his friends fail you. Jesus knows, and he is at hand. When you can't pay your bills, when it feels overwhelming, when it feels like you're dying, Jesus understands. And he gets in it with you. And the Lord is at hand. That's the third thing. The Lord is at hand. This is amazing. It is the peace of God that comes from the presence of God that passes understanding. Paul How can you write a book about joy in prison? I don't understand that. That comes from the peace of the Lord in the presence of the Lord. That's your positional status. Listen, the word guard there, listen to what it says. It says that it will guard, this peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word guard there, it literally is a military term. Your heart, that's your emotional life. Your mind, that's your mental life. You need a soldier to come and guard and protect. Let me tell you who that is. That's the Lord. God himself will guard your heart. He will guard your mind. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Ultimately, as you go through it in 2022, I want to ask you, Do this one thing, press on. Forget what is behind, 
strain toward the prize, which is Christ. Live up to what you've already attained. One thing I do is I press on toward Christ. That requires me rejoicing, joy in the Lord, prayer, allowing the will of God to guide me because the Lord is at hand. As the worship team comes back, let me just ask, what are you straining toward? What are you hoping for this year? What are you pressing on to? Because maybe today we just need to reevaluate our minds and our hearts and move joy in the Lord to the top of the list. Maybe we need to really be honest with our circumstance and say, you know what? I've been chasing a lot of earthly prizes. I've been trying to build up my residence rather than understanding and living from my citizenship. Maybe you're here today and, and you'd say, you know what? What is my prize? What am I pressing on towards? What is the Holy Spirit leading me into? Christ-likeness. Knowing him. Understanding that the Lord is at hand for you. Let me pray for you. Jesus, today, we all have scars, wounds, hurts, and stresses. But if we are in Jesus Christ, your word tells us that they are all temporary. That there's coming a day that you will wipe every tear from every eye. That you will heal our hearts and that we will truly be glorified like you. But today, oh God, there are bars before each of us. There are chains around each of us. There's some today that feel like they're in the garden, alone, scared, not knowing what tomorrow holds. But Lord, today we bring all of it to you. We do not know what tomorrow holds, but we know the God of tomorrow. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so right now in this moment, if there's sin that we need to give over to you, Lord, we ask you to take it by your grace and by your mercy. If there's stress and anxiety, Lord, we make our request known to you this morning. And we're asking you to guard our minds. We're asking you as a church. We're asking you as, as husbands and, and, and leaders and, and, and wives and children, as people of God, would you guard our hearts and our minds? Would you guide us by your will? Would you fill us with your spirit so that we could truly press on that we could strain forward toward the goal to win the prize that we have been called heavenward. God, because you have made us your own today, we lay it all down in asking you to fill us with your joy.
and your salvation. Oh, Jesus, come. Remind us that you are at hand and let us live in light of what we've already attained. In Jesus' name we say, amen.